Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, good evening, and welcome to Journeys in Faith here on Fiat Ministry Network. Our tagline is saying yes to Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for joining us on this evening. And I have an absolutely amazing guest. I'm excited for all of you to watch this show and those who are also listening on the podcast with Patchwork Heart Ministry. Her name is Colleen Christ. Colleen is a Catholic inspirational speaker from Morgantown, West Virginia. So I welcome you, Colleen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Anne. It's a joy to be here with you. It really is amazing. Now, I would love to read your uh, bio here for our viewers and our listeners here. Uh, Colleen Chris has been married to her husband, Dan, for 27 years. She is the mother of eight beautiful children and the director of programs and development for campus ministry for West Virginia University. Colleen led a vibrant prayer ministry and two tent revivals at her former parish in Bedford, Virginia. She is currently serving as a council member for the National Service Committee for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and as a teen encounter Christ leader. Colleen is a dynamic retreat and conference speaker speaking on the topics of healing after abortion, the Father's love and mercy, the power of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and spiritual motherhood. She's in the process of writing a book detailing her personal encounters with Christ and his mother. So once again, welcome, Colleen. And on this show, Journeys in Faith, uh, many times we talk about life, faith, and mission. So I was wondering if we could just start out with your own life and faith journey. Yeah, sure. Um, so my faith journey kind of began, um, I like to say it began in the womb. Um, my mother had gone through a very uh, profound conversion experience uh, where she had, um, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that all took place when she was expecting me. And my father saw such a difference in her and, and he was so intrigued by what had happened to her and, and he wanted to be a part of that. He wanted whatever she had because she was just so full of joy after that experience. Um, so then both of my, my father too was then baptized in the spirit. And so um, both of my parents were on this like really profound spiritual journey right from the beginning. And uh, myself and my younger sister, who was just you know about a year and a half younger than me, um, we kind of grew up with that, and we got to witness the Catholic faith being used like authentically, effectively. Um, it was very active. So, like my parents had started a little prayer group that they they had in their in their living room and my sister and I would just kind of like sit off to the sidelines and, and watch mom and dad pray over people and we got to witness healings and miracles you know right there in front of us and to watch them praying over people was such a big part of my faith formation because I realized then that like faith is not something that's static it's not something that's meant to be just personal you know, I hear a lot of people say that my faith is personal, like it's private, but that's not what the Lord has called us to do or to be. He's called us to be active, to be missionaries in the field with him and really work with people one-on-one. -on -one. So just being able to observe my parents actively living their Catholic faith at such a young age had a big impact on me. Um, and my sister and I would join them for their prayer group. When their prayer group got so big that they outgrew the living room, they went over to the church and it was just, it was just huge. And it was so like powerful. I can't explain it. Like just to have a room full of people just praising the Lord and, and praying and singing and praying with each other. And, you know, it just, I loved it. I loved being in that atmosphere as a child. Um, 
And I would say that um, I definitely had a personal relationship with the Lord uh, from a very early age. Um, and I think that that influence had a lot to do with it. But I felt like I knew Jesus personally. Um, he was my friend and I could talk to him at any time. Um, I felt like he was always with me. And so, you know, I would, I would just speak to him like I would anyone. And I never thought that was weird, you know, but there uh, my other kids that were my age thought, probably thought that was a little strange, but that was just, that just felt normal to me. Um, at a certain point, I guess, I think it was about fourth grade, um, I attended a Catholic school and I had a nun who was my fourth grade teacher. And I will never forget the day that she kind of pulled me aside and asked me to stay behind. Everybody else had walked out of the classroom and she said, you know, Colleen, I think you have, you might have a calling, a vocation. Wow. Like, what? <laughs> you know, I was nine years old. I'm like, mm, no. Yes. I think so. It kind of scared me a little bit, honestly. It just kind of made me take a step back. And I thought, yeah, I don't know that I want that. Um, so time went on a few years later. Uh, I think it was in middle school. We got on a middle school retreat. And um, there were, you know, some priests there and nuns that were, you know, ministering to us. And uh, another nun, a different nun, said to me, Colleen, I think you might have a calling. Oh my gosh, you know, this is so not what I want. Because by that point, I was starting to daydream about my future. And I was thinking of all the things I wanted to do. And I wanted to be like this world traveler. I wanted to live in Paris. I was probably not going to get married, was my thought. Like, I was like, yeah, no, I think I'm just going to have fun and, you know, just see the world and, and do fun things. So the nun idea did not fit into my idea of my future. Um, so for whatever reason, I thought, well, I'm going to just be really, really bad. And then that way God won't want me. So this was my thought process at that age. And Thank you for I, your honesty. Uh, well, I just decided to rebel. You know, it was. I, I, that's the only way I could describe it is I just kind of went, I embraced the spirit of rebellion and I just went out and did whatever I wanted, whenever, um, you know, there was a, there was a lot of dangerous stuff involved there. Um, you know, drinking and other things and staying out late and sneaking out of the house and things like that. Um, you know, at one point, uh, in my kids love, this story, which, you know, it's not something to be proud of, but <laughs> um, I, I used to steal my father's car and sneak out of the house and drive into Philadelphia to a place called Front Street. And it was kind of like shut down, but people would go to Front Street and gather and there was illegal street racing. And I used to meet my boyfriend there and we would race his car and he let me drive the car a few times. And my sons just think that is so cool that mom did street racing at one point. Well, I must say I'm familiar. I don't know, Colleen. I, I told you that I, I live in the uh, greater Philadelphia area and I'm very familiar with Front Street. So okay. when you say that, it's it's a familiar thing to me being from this area. Yeah, so. it was... Um... I mean, it was exciting, you know, and I think I just liked being around that, that sense of danger and like, ooh, you know, something could happen. And, and sure enough, it did. There was a night when the police came and um, often they would just disperse everyone. But that particular night they were arresting people. And uh, I think that scared me enough that I decided I didn't really want to do that anymore. Uh, going to jail was not definitely not something that I wanted to do. So um you know, I think I just kind of continued with that, that very rebellious sort of uh, disposition, whatever you want to call it, like, um, and yeah, so there was a time, there was definitely a point in my life, like I'm kind of skipping it, because um, I'll share my other testimony at a different time, maybe later in the broadcast, but um, 
there was a point that I reached and I think I was probably about, I was about 21. And um, I just said, you know, Lord, I've done everything I wanted to do as far as, you know, what I felt like was important in life, but I'm so unhappy. Um, I'm so empty. I just, I just felt ashamed. I felt sad. I felt dejected in every way. And so all of those things that I tried that I thought were so fun and exciting at the time, they just brought me lower and lower and lower. And I realized that that's not where joy is. And I wanted something else. I just didn't know how to get it, where to find it, you know? So there was a, a very pivotal moment in my life at the age of 21, where I just got down on my knees on my bedroom floor and I just cried. I just cried out to God. I said, God, if you're real, I mean, I remember you when I was young. I mean, I loved you and we had a relationship and I know I've screwed up big time, but if I haven't messed up too much and you can take me back, I'm ready to live for you. And I promise you from this day forward, I will live the rest of my life serving you. If you can just help me, please. And I tell you, God met me there on the floor of my bedroom. He just came in and loved me. And he said, you know, in my heart, I could just sense, I love you. I love you. Nothing you have done has pushed me away. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I can feel the emotion there. God came into your heart so powerfully at that time. So continue to share, please. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So really, um, my world changed literally overnight. Um, from that moment, I felt his presence. I knew that he was guiding me. And so a few days later, um, it was Sunday and I hadn't attended mass for years. Like I just didn't go to mass. And I decided I was gonna go to mass. Like this was the beginning of my new life. And I went to Sunday mass. And um, after mass, I met a young man who was the uh, young adult leader for the church. And uh, we had a connection and I ended up marrying him. Oh, <laughs> oh what a great story. It, it was, it was, it was pretty cool because I think he was at a point in his life. Uh, he was about 25 when we met. He was at a point in his life where he hadn't met anyone special and he was starting to think that maybe he had a vocation. So he was starting to read and sort of like, spiritually prepare for the priesthood and then and then I came along and you know um I learned so much from him he was just like he he had been reading so much about the faith and I had been so lapsed in it there were so many questions that I had so he was able to really help me like learn the faith and also, at the same time, I was working um, in an office next to a woman who was not Catholic. Um, I believe she was Baptist. And she was really knowledgeable about the Bible and, you know, a lot of things, but mostly the Bible. And, like, she would just fire off these quotes to me and say, well, you know, how do you defend that? Like, what does the Catholic Church teach about this? And I would say, I, I have no idea. I mean, I was raised Catholic. My father was a deacon in the church. I was always at the church when I was younger. You would think I'd know, but I didn't know. I did not know how to defend my faith. And I realized how much I needed to learn. And I was hungry because I did not like what she was saying. I wanted to believe, you know, that we had a, we have a, an answer for everything. We have a defense and I want to know what it is. So that kind of set me on a path of really studying and learning and just, you know, seeking. And, and it helps me tremendously, like in a very short period of time, it just, it just 
kind of helped me to really embrace my faith and be so proud of it. I was like, gosh, I love this. I love being Catholic because there is a reason for everything. This is not random. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So. Wow. How amazing so far just to hear your story. And I know we have a lot more and I want to let our viewers and listeners on the podcast know that during the second half of the show, uh, Colleen will be sharing uh, the highlights of her life and especially a, a story that happened to her in 2015, which is absolutely incredible. So please continue with this journey, Colleen. Yeah, so um, I guess there were still a lot of things that I had to work out uh, when my husband uh, proposed to me. One of the biggest arguments we had was about children. He said, you know, I want a big family. Like, I want 10 kids. <laughs> That's what he said to he me. did? Oh, wow. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of went, what? You know, like, that is, no, that's not going to happen. I really wasn't even sure if I wanted to have one child, much less. I mean, 10 was just out of the question. So um, that was our first really big argument. And we kind of, you know, parted ways for a period of time. And um, we had been working with a priest, uh, you know, and, and just kind of talking to him uh, about everything. And so that too, I had to kind of take the time to understand and learn what the Catholic Church teaches about marriage and family and, um, you know, life, like just being open to life. So I started to kind of study that more. And I, I loved that. I love that, that understanding of being open to life. Like, does anybody really want to be closed to, to anything that is grace-filled and godly and holy? Like something as beautiful, miraculous as life and children I, and I, and so I had to really do some soul searching, like I, seriously praying hard, like, God, you know, I do want to be open. Like you've taught me so much in this short period of time. And, and I love being Catholic and I love my faith and I want to just, I want to live it fully. Like, I don't want to live it halfway. Like I want to be full on. So I had to get over this hurdle and I just said, okay, Lord, you know, I will be open to life whatever that means. I, I may, you may only give me one child and that's okay, you know, or you may give me five, you may give me 10. I don't know, but I trust you because you're God and I'm not. So that was a big, big turning point for us. I mean, I think that kind of sealed the deal once I was said, yes, okay, I'm open to life. Then we're like, okay, we're going forward with this marriage. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just kind of fast forward to like having my first child was, I just couldn't even put into words what that experience is like. I agree on that one. Oh, gosh. I know. I you know. know. I completely agree. Hello. I'll say hello to my daughter, Elaine. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It was incredible. I agree with you. Yeah. It is. A, and no one can describe that feeling at all. I just, I thought I knew what love was. Mm. You know, I thought I had experienced some pretty incredible things, but not until I gave birth. And Amen. having, holding my son up against my chest and just kind of feeling his, the warmth in his heartbeat and realizing that, wow, like I just, I'm like a co-creator with God. I just brought life into this world, man. That's, That's right. Hey, I, Amen. Yeah. I just, so after that, I mean, I was just like, okay, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. And I'm not, you know, afraid of it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, I, when I, I was expecting our second child, I had this question, this like really nagging feeling all throughout the pregnancy that, you know, eh, could I possibly love the second child as much as I love the first? Mm. Is that possible? 
you know? So I really was like grappling with that, I guess, all throughout the pregnancy. And as soon as he was born, that's right. I was like, Oh my gosh, explosion of love all over Mm. again. And I learned a lesson in all of that, a valuable lesson that the Lord, you're not limited, right? Like our our hearts, our capacity to love is not limited. We, it increases, it grows. It's like your heart grows larger and larger with each child, with each person that you allow into your life to love. God can meet that and, and expand that capacity. And that was so profound to me. I'm like, wow, okay. I like this not being limited thing. <laughs> you, <laughs> you explained know? that so well. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was a big one. But um, the children just started coming and coming, honestly. <laughs> it's like about yeah, you know, more. every other year, every, you know, couple, two years, maybe um, there would be another crisp baby coming into the world. And, and each time it was exciting because I wondered, what would this child be like? You know, what would they look like? Who will they be? What will they become? You know, it's kind of awesome to think of that legacy. That's a good word, legacy, really. And that's what you were building at that time. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it kind of makes you feel like your life has, it means something. Like it's going to go on beyond you. It's going to live on. Right. That's right. Exactly. You're building your family and how you went from kind of that rebellious teenage years, the rebellious teenage years to where you uh, ended up as this mother who was anticipating the next child and the next child. And uh, so incredible. So please continue to share. Yeah. So, you know, God is good. Um, I think, I think all throughout I was just learning all the time. We kind of, we made the decision, I guess, when, oh, my phone is ringing. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to just turn this off. So. Mom of eight, I understand there that you're busy <laughs> with your kids. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You're um, a mom of eight. Yeah. I, I, at a certain point, I think my oldest son was about five. Um, we decided that we were going to homeschool. And Mm. that was like another adventure, you know, we just kind of, I thought, well, let's, let's jump in with both feet. I mean, it seems like it's such a radical and different sort of thing to do, but I really, really wanted my children to experience the faith in like, in like totality, like you're living it out. You're not like, you know, you're not being separated from it. You're constantly living it. So that was kind of like, I was really scared, but I thought, well, I'll just do it. I'll just take it one year at a time, one year at a time. And so that's, that's how we did that. And we just started. And um, that was another thing that I grew to love was having my children with me, being able to experience like every time that they had like a little triumph, you know, if they learned how to read a book on their own, if they, uh, I, you know, if they memorized a quote and they wanted to share it with me, I was right there for all of those things. I didn't miss anything. And I, and I think I really thrived during those years, just having my children all around me and being able to walk with them in faith and in life and everything, education, you know. And I started getting um, involved with the church. Uh, I was doing like little things like uh, vacation Bible school, um, I did teach Sunday school, um, anything that the kids were involved with at the church, I would volunteer and, and want to be a part of. And so I just kind of look back on those years and I, and I cherish them. I'm grateful for them. Yeah. So beautiful. And we have a lot more to discuss during the second half of this show. And again, I will say that you are a Catholic inspirational speaker, For those who are watching and listening, again, I'm speaking to Colleen Christ. She's from Morgantown, West Virginia, and she is also the director of campus ministry at West Virginia University Uh, and so much more. As I said, she's a speaker, too. So please consider her for your church or organization. So now, Colleen, we do have to take uh, a quick break. 
So when we come back, I'm encouraging people to hang on with us because Colleen has a lot more to share, especially a, a very transformational story that happened to her back in 2015. So hang on tight and we'll see you in just a few minutes here on Journeys in Faith. Hi, my name is Ann DeSantis and I'm the director for the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family and Faith. You can learn about us on our website at nonatus.org. I'm here to tell you today about two great podcasts that I hope that you will tune in. The first Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock, we have a podcast specifically for Catholics affected by divorce. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, go to Philly Nonatus on YouTube to subscribe. In addition, we also have a podcast the last Thursday of every month. That's also at 8 o'clock Eastern time for one hour. And that one is for families in crisis. We have some really great guests coming up soon, so hope to see you then. Please also consider the fact that you can make spiritual direction appointments with us, with our spiritual moderator. All you need to do is go to our website on the contact form and just reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear from you and look forward to setting up an appointment. So we'd love to connect with you. Please share this video and let people know that we're there for families affected by divorce and also families in crisis. Thank you. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. I can't even share with you how I was so wrote in my faith. And I was attending Mass, but I was not present. I was a good man. I was a good father. I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional. I was stuck wrote in my faith. I did not want to become Catholic. I came into the church kicking and screaming. I even left for a period because I was like, I, I can't. All my plans that I had are gone now. So I tried to go back only, and that's only to come back later on because of the, ultimately because of the Eucharist. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. My husband comes home from work and I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, oh, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it, honey. You've been trying to quit. And you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you on your own could have done this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 21, St. Paul compares the sacrifice of the Christians to the sacrifice of Israel and then to the sacrifice of the pagans. Paul calls the chalice the blood of Christ and the bread as participation in the body of Christ and then warns his listeners that you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. So in other words, you need to decide what are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not?
Hi, welcome back to Journeys in Faith. My name is Ann DeSantis. It's so great to be here on this Friday evening. And not only are we on Fiat Ministry Network here on Facebook Live, but we are also on a podcast on Podbean and with Patchwork Heart Ministry and my friend, Bill Snyder. Now, Patchwork Heart Ministry is a growing ministry. Uh, last month in July, there were over 3,200 downloads of, of the programs on Patchwork Heart. So I would encourage you to please subscribe to Patchwork Heart Ministry on YouTube and like this page right here on Facebook at Fiat Ministry Network. I also want to mention just one more thing that there's also a podcast every week. It's called Sewing Hope. It's with myself and my co-host, Bill Snyder. If you go to the Podbean app on your phone, you can subscribe to Patchwork Heart and check out all those wonderful podcasts where you can even listen to a great podcast with my friend here and my guest, Colleen Christ, because she was a guest with Bill Snyder on Young Catholics Respond and on another beautiful podcast called A Mother's Love. So you want to make sure that you check out and listen to uh, two terrific podcasts with Colleen Chris, my guest, because I certainly learned a lot more about her awesome testimony of faith. So I encourage you to do the same. So thank you again to my friend Colleen here for being a guest here with us this evening. And Colleen, I am so excited for people to listen to the rest of this story because you have something very, very special to share that happened back in 2015 and also explained a very important part of your life. So please do share. Thank you, Anne. Um, so in 2015, I guess um, there was kind of this uh, I probably need to back up a little bit just because um, the reason we were going on this pilgrimage to the Steubenville Conference in 2015 um, is, is a result of a prayer ministry that was a call on that the Lord had placed on my heart in 2013. It was uh, during Lent of that year, I was kind of struggling again, I guess, with my faith because I started to realize that um, you know, I was doing all the things. I was going to mass on Sunday and um, teaching the kids about the faith at home, but starting to feel just a little like stagnant in a way, just sort of like dry. And I wanted more. And I really wanted to have that kind of passion that I saw in my parents way back when, when I was little. So I started, I just kind of made a decision, I guess, during Lent that I was going to start reading the Bible and um, praying the daily mass readings, something I hadn't done before. And I would really like to devote time to prayer. Again, something I hadn't really done, just having personal prayer time. So I kind of had my little prayer chair in my bedroom and I would sit there and I would open up the Bible and, and then I would just kind of just pray, just speak to the Lord. Just kind of open that door again to him being my friend and very personal to me. And he really, again, just came and met me there. And I just started to feel closer and closer to him. And then at one point I heard this little inner voice that said, Colleen, I want you to lead a prayer ministry. And that really threw me, to be honest. Wow. I just had no idea how to do anything like that. I had no desire to do that. Um, I mean, I had, I was homeschooling eight children. Plus we had our house on the market at the time. And I thought that's insane. Like that, that is just not a good plan. <laughs> so I kind of just shut that door and I was like, no, no. Um, but that, I kept hearing that inner voice. It kept coming and coming and coming. It just wouldn't leave me alone. So I finally said, Lord, okay, if this is you, if this is something you want from me, I'm going to need a lot of help and I'm going to need some kind of sign. Just could you give me like some kind of sign, some confirmation that this is really what you want me to do? 
So uh, I went to mass the following Sunday and um, approached a woman who I have known for years. She's a really good friend of my mom's and someone I just really respected and admired for her faith. And um, I said, Sharon, the Lord is, I, I think, I think this is the Lord is asking me to lead a prayer ministry. And we were sitting in the chapel at the time when I asked her this or when I mentioned it, and she just threw her head back and started laughing. And she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, Colleen, a group of us have been praying for a long time that there would be a prayer group here at the church. And none of us felt called to leave. So we started praying that God would send us a leader. And here you are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, amazing. <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of the beginning of a really beautiful journey and, and accepting that this was something that God was calling me to do. And that if, if he calls you to it, he's going to take you through it. He's really going to equip you to do what he wants you to do. It's not about you. It's not about your power or your, your disabilities or your weaknesses or your, it's none of that matters. He can do anything with anyone. And so I just kind of gave all that up to the Lord and surrendered that spirit of fear and lack of courage and just said, okay, well then you've got this. And he sure did uh, that. There's, so much I could share with you about that whole experience. It was just phenomenal. But that's what led up to us eventually the first year of prayer ministry, taking nine people to this pilgrimage. On the, a, we just kind of went to the Steubenville Power and Purpose Conference and um, had really profound experiences, each one of us individually. And then when we came back, we just, you just couldn't shut us up. We were just telling everybody about how wonderful it was and all the things that happened to us. And so we were so excited. My friend Marjean and I, we were like, you know, we're just going to take a bus. Like, let's take a bus and, and let's see if we can fill a bus and get a bunch of people to go so they can experience this too, you know? Um, so we spent the entire year preparing for this trip and not really sure if we could fill a bus, but we just were like walking in faith, you know? Um, and sure enough, we did. We not only filled the bus to capacity, I think it sat 50 people, but then we had all these additional people that drove up separately. So we ended up with like 63 people, you know, that first year. But in the process of all of that, um, uh, about two months before the conference, I found out that I was pregnant again. Mm. And I was shocked to say the least. Um, at that time in our lives, my husband and I were going through some really difficult stuff and uh, we were, we were self-employed, but he was, we weren't, we were not able to find work at the time. We were struggling financially. Um, it was affecting all of us. You know, I, it was very hard on our family, on our marriage. Um, it was just a tough time. So to find out that I was pregnant at the time, just kind of like, wow, it, it just seemed to be too much, but um, it was a new life and God knows what he's doing. So I was just going to embrace this and trust, but I didn't want to share it with my husband at that time. I just was afraid that that would have been too much for him to handle. Um, so I chose to keep it quiet and just kind of wait for the right time. Okay. Um, so the conference is coming up and I have been begging and begging my husband to go because I thought, you know, maybe this would help you. I mean, you know, he was really struggling with some things and I thought maybe this will help you. You could feel better, you know, you could be healed of things. And um, he just didn't want to go. He just didn't feel like he could handle the trip. So I accepted that. But then something changed and I, I don't to this day know what it was except the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But about, I think it was the day before he, he just suddenly said, I think I want to go. I was like, great. Praise God. Praise, Praise God. God. Yeah. My story would have ended up very differently had he not come. I can tell you that. Mm. So uh, the next, well, the night before, the night before the conference, um, I started experiencing 
some bleeding. And uh, I thought, okay, maybe there's something wrong with the baby, but I wasn't sure. Um, and I thought, Lord, I, you know, I have 63 people that are going to be waiting on me in the parking lot at the church tomorrow morning. There's a bus, um, you know, I'm, I'm committed to lead. I need to see this through. Uh, can you take care of this, please, Lord? Like, yeah. So I woke up the next morning and I felt great. I, I felt fine. I had energy. Things were great. Um, I met the group in the parking lot. We, we rode the bus up all the way to Steubenville and it was fantastic. We just had a beautiful experience, like praying and praising and singing and, you know, just really pumped. Everybody was so excited because it was the first time for so many of them. Um, so we get to the conference and the first night was great. We had Father Michael Gately speaking and he was speaking about his book that he wrote, The 33 Days to Morning Glory, about consecration to the Blessed Mother. And that was something I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with. So I thought that was really cool, you know, and I didn't really have a relationship with the Blessed Mother. I just didn't really understand her role. Like, to me, I thought, well, Jesus is the power, right? He's the son of God. So what do we need her for? That was mm. kind of my mentality at the time. Um, the next day, again, things were great. I, we, I was able to attend all of the talks and everything. And um, I didn't see my husband very much during those two days or the day and a half because you know, he was staying in the men's house. He was, he was kind of hanging with the men and going to different talks. So I didn't really see him, but, um, at some point during the afternoon, I, I started to feel really sick and like, you know, something was happening again. And, and, uh, you know, I, I made a decision. I had gone to my room I laid down for a little while. And then I said, you know, I think I just need to go pray going to go to the chapel and pray because uh, we've still got a lot of conference to get through and I can't even imagine if something were happening with this baby what I would do I where would I go um so I on my way to the chapel I started walking apart across this part of campus that I walked across when I was a student there and as soon as I walked that path, I had, I was just flooded with this memory of when I was a student there and how I was feeling at that time. And I remember walking that path and just feeling so dejected, just so, so hopeless. Hmm. I had made a decision just a couple of weeks before I had started um, at Franciscan University as a student. I was 17 years old and I found out that I was pregnant that summer before um, I was to leave. And I just really didn't know what to do. Um, it was really hard. I knew that my, my family is very pro-life. Um, I had attended pro-life events I'd been on the March for Life. I knew that babies in the womb matter and I knew that abortion was wrong. But in that moment, I started to think about like my future, you know, what would this mean? I had been accepted at college. I had bought all the things for my dorm. I was getting excited, you know, and, and it was just this moment of, I don't know what to do. And so, um, I had gone to my best friend and I told her that I was pregnant and the father of the baby wanted nothing to do with the baby. And I just couldn't imagine raising a baby alone. And, you know, her, her, her reply was simply not simply, but it was, you know, Colleen, you can just, if you have an abortion, you can just walk in and then you walk out and you're not pregnant anymore. Problem solved. And I don't know, I guess that just sounded like what I needed to do at that time. 
And um, I did. And it was just about a week before I started college. And um, I knew the minute that I had done that, I knew Mm. I had made the biggest mistake of my life. There was no going back. I felt the pain of the loss of that child, like to the core of my being, the greatest sorrow I have ever experienced. And there was absolutely no comfort for me. There's nothing that could help me. I just grieved and grieved that baby. I could not believe how hard that hit me. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I couldn't eat. I started drinking and taking pills, anything to numb that pain, just to try to survive. So anyone who says that an abortion is no big deal is a liar. So I tried my best to go to school, to, you know, attend classes, but it was so hard. And my, my sweet roommate at the time, her name's Gretchen, she's a godsend to me. Um, she just, she just couldn't figure out what was going on. I hadn't told her and she said, what is, what's happening? What's wrong? You know? And, and I finally told her, And I think I was so afraid that she was going to judge me because she was a very pro-life person. Her whole family was, and they were involved in Operation Rescue, which is like a very actively pro-life organization. Um, And I was just afraid she would think I was the most horrible person in the world. She'd never speak to me again. But she didn't respond that way at all. Um, She responded with absolute mercy and love and... um, that made a difference for me. Mm. And she encouraged me to see a, a, a priest there, Franciscan priest, who was another, like an angel for me. And um, he, he talked to me and spent time with me and counseled me and prayed with me for as long as it took. And then at a certain point, he said, Colleen, are you ready to just, to, to just let your baby go? Give your baby over to the Blessed Mother. He said, I want you to just envision that the Blessed Mother is standing before you and she has her arms open and she's inviting you to put your baby in her arms so that she can care for your baby until you go home to heaven and can see your baby again. And I I could see that. Clearly, I could see the Blessed Mother taking my baby and I, I just knowing that the mother of God was caring for my child gave me so much peace. And then he had asked me if I had named the baby. And I said, well, yeah, I I did. Um, I kind of in my mind thought it was a girl and I named her Jessica. So kind of moving forward to that day at the conference, after all those memories flooded back to me and I was reminded of how I felt at that time and that loss, I started thinking about the baby that I was potentially losing at that moment. And um, I guess in my mind, I thought, are you punishing me, God, for what I had done? Are you going to take this life for that life? Is that what this is? You know, I started to really doubt and question his love for me. And I thought, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter that I've done all these things with my life. I'm a murderer. I can't be forgiven. And I realized I really had not forgiven myself, even though I'd been to confession and had the help from that priest and other priests after that. I still never felt like I was worthy to be forgiven. And I carried that, that guilt and that shame all those years. So I went to the chapel and got down on my knees and I just said, Lord, um, I understand if you want to punish me, um, I deserve it. But I'm just asking you to help me through this and give me the strength to do whatever is going to happen next. However, this is going to unfold. I'm going to need a lot of strength and a lot of grace. Just asking you to help me. 
So um, I went on over to the field house where they had the, the talks that Saturday evening and I, and I felt good again. Went through the talks, um, joined up with our group. You know, we even had our photos taken at the photo booth. It was a really fun night. It's a good night. And then uh, the next morning I woke up and I was, I was bleeding heavily at that point and, and cramping and having a lot of pain. And that was very, very scary. I was in the uh, dorm room bathrooms with all of these women, you know, who were on our pilgrimage with us and women from other states. And, you know, you just, there was no privacy there. There was no way to like, I just had to kind of compose myself and pray all the way through it. And I knew that there was, um, they were asked, they had asked us if we could be interviewed for the campus because it was the 40th anniversary of the conferences and they wanted to interview myself and my friend Marjean because apparently we had brought like the largest group that year from a single church and they, they just wanted to interview us. So I knew that they were waiting in the parking lot for us and all the people from that were, had come with us were waiting and I was just feeling that like, oh, I have to be there. Lord, give me strength, you know? So um, I got there and I did the interview. Don't remember anything that I said or anything. Like it was just like a big blur. Um, but we got it done and we got the big group photo taken. And then as I was walking over to the field house with my husband, I knew like, internally, I, I knew that I was, I was losing the baby. There was no question. And, you know, it was imminent. So I still hadn't said anything to Dan. We went into the field house. We, we got settled in our seats with our group. And I said, um, I just need to go use the restroom. So I walked out and over the course of the weekend, there was this beautiful pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima. Um, it's traveled all around the world and there are miracles and healings associated with it. Um, and everybody wanted to have time, you know, to pray with the statue. And it was so hard to get in the room just to even pray. So I never got a chance to really do that. But as I left the field house in that moment, there was no, I noticed like there was nobody in the room statue was just there by itself and I just felt drawn to go in there and I I knelt down and I just poured my heart out and I said blessed mother I know we don't have a, a relationship really um but right now I just need a mother I just need you to be a mother to me my own mother had passed away years before, and I was just feeling very alone. And I knew that my mother would have been, if she were alive, she would have been with me every step of the way. And I just couldn't walk this valley without her. And so I just, um, I begged the Blessed Mother to help me. And immediately I heard the door open up behind me and in walks my husband. And he just kind of came and quietly knelt down beside me. And we were praying quietly together. And then as we, we left, I, I said, honey, I, I have to tell you something. I've been keeping this secret from you, but I need to tell you that um, I'm pregnant. And I'm also losing the baby. So, you know, it took him a moment to process that. But then we, we stepped outside the field house and um, he said, what, what should we do? And I said, you know, I just feel like I need prayer right now. And I would really like um, Dave and Mary Nelson to pray with me. Because Dave and Mary are like these powerful prayer warriors. They are always there at the conferences. Um, <laughs> they are like a part of, they are a part of the family. Their youngest daughter is married to my youngest brother. Um, and I always kind of felt this connection with Mary. She reminds me of my own mother in a lot of ways. She has the same spirit. And so she just is the person that I wanted in that moment to comfort me. But 
you know, there were like a thousand people inside that field house. I had no idea how Dan would ever find them <laughs> or if he, <laughs> but you know, he was willing to try. So he went in and a, just a couple minutes later, he comes right back out with Dave and Mary Nelson. And Mary, I swear she knew right away. She just looked into my eyes and just, I just kind of fell into her arms and she just kind of helped me like a mother would. And they started praying with me, her and Dave and Dan. And um, I just felt this amazing warmth and love wash over me. And I just went back. I, I just went back slain in the spirit and um, just kind of laid there peacefully on the ground and just allowed myself to be loved because that's all I could feel was this incredible love from the father. And um, yeah, that struck me because it was like all those feelings I'd had earlier about believing that he couldn't love me were kind of dismissed in that moment. He told me that he did. Wow. So after I got up, um, then Dave and Mary were like, okay, so uh, we probably need to, to call your doctor and find out what to do from here. And I said, well, gosh, I mean, that's easy. My doctor came with us on the bus. So she's actually <laughs> a member of our prayer ministry and she's right inside the building. So again, Dan walks inside, comes right back out with my doctor, Patty. And, um, you know, Patty is like a sister to me. So she's like another female figure is somebody that, that brings me comfort and peace. And she was so loving and just kind of talked me through it and said, you know, Colleen, you, know, you have options here. Like, yeah, we can go to the emergency room, but you might have to just sit there and wait. And they'll probably just have you waited out or they'll do like a surgical, like a DNC. I'm like, okay. And then, um, you know, like, well, you could come back to Dave and Mary's house and wait it out there. And I was like, you know, honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like we're in like the holiest place right now. Like that atmosphere and that campus is just like filled with the Holy Spirit. And there were like priests and nuns, like right inside the field house. I wanted to be in there with them. And I really wanted to see this through. Like I wanted to finish this journey that we had started with, with the pilgrims that we brought there. Wow. Colleen, I hate to uh, interrupt you. And I, uh, this story is absolutely beautiful and incredible. I do want to give you about a five minute um, heads up for the end of the show, just so that we uh, give enough time for you. And I want to invite people also that if Colleen doesn't get to give her uh, full detailed rest of this story to please go to the podcast and listen to a mother's love about her relationship with the blessed Virgin Mary on patchwork heart ministry. So um, I just wanted to mention that because there's a lot of detail during that podcast that we might not have time for. So I wondered if um, over these next five minutes or so you can uh, just give us the rest of that beautiful story. And thank you so much. You're welcome. I'll do my best. <laughs> um, yeah. So the way it ended up working out was um, Dave, Nelson went into the field house and asked if he just, he got some men together who could bring a leather couch and put it in the back of the field house so that I could go in and, and sit comfortably. And it was wonderful because I didn't miss anything. I was able to be there right behind the pilgrims that we had brought in um, to pray over them. And uh, yeah, there were some, there were a lot of things. There's a lot of details that I probably wouldn't have time to get to. But at a certain point, um, Dan had to leave to, to try to, you know, get some things from the drugstore for me and, you know, try to get me a change of clothes. And he didn't want to leave me alone. But I said, you know, honey, the way this is all worked out, I just don't think God is going to leave me alone. I'm, I really think he's going to take care of it. So you go. It's going to be okay. And no sooner had he walked out the doors, three sisters came walking in the side door. And one of them was my very good friend, Sister Carrie. 
And she was someone that I knew like from before I was even married. That's yeah. That's sister Carrie in the center. <laughs> and those are the other two sisters with her sister Rita and sister Magdala Marie. Um, but they came in the side door and I saw sister Carrie. And again, she's like, like my dearest friend. And I just, I was so moved and, and overwhelmed to see her. And I'm like, you know, wow, God, look at what you're doing. And she just embraced me and the sisters surrounded me and started praying over me and praying for the baby. And, and just moments later, I delivered the baby. Wow. And I said, sister Carrie, I just delivered the baby and I don't know what to do. She said, Colleen, don't you worry about a thing. We're going to take care of you. So they walked out with me into the hall. And at that point, it was like the, the break, the intermission time between the talks before mass started. So all of the people from the field house were in the hall. The halls were crowded. The bathrooms were crowded. And I just kind of went, oh, my gosh, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? But it's funny because... Um, God's sense of humor, he sent me Sister Rita, who was a former female football player before she discovered her vocation. Oh, wow. So she was like the perfect person to like get us through that crowd. Like she just like plowed us through that crowd. And I said, Sister Carrie, I look at the bathrooms. Like I can't get to the bathroom. She said, don't worry. I know another place downstairs. I will take you and everything will be fine. So that's how that continued to go. She just, she took care of me. My doctor was with me. I had these beautiful nuns with me. Um, but at a certain point, you know, I'm, I'm holding my baby, the remains of my baby in my hands. And I, and I just, I was like, Sister Carrie, I don't know what to do with my baby. And she said, you know, Colleen, um, I'm going to ask Mother Superior, if we can bury your baby up at the mother house. And I just, you know, I had to take a moment to realize that everything that had taken place, every step of the way, God was there, every intimate detail. And I remembered that prayer that I said to the Blessed Mother. I asked her to be a mother to me, and she was. She brought these women to be with me all along the way to comfort me, to pray with me, to help me, to encourage me. And, you know, there are a lot more details to all of this story and wonderful things. I would encourage people to listen to the podcast because it really draws out the level of intimate detail that, that God went into. And um, he did it for me. And if yes. you can do it for me, you can do it for anybody. That's right. Oh my goodness. And la- and as Colleen said, I completely encourage all of you to go on YouTube and you want to look up Patchwork Heart Ministry and you would look up some a show called A Mother's Love with Colleen Christ. It's an hour podcast where she tells a lot more detail even that we're than we're telling tonight. But Colleen, I also would like to invite you to come back on another episode here of Journeys in Faith so you can t- talk about this story in more detail and also just give us uh, an update on how you're doing, um, especially with your new position there at West Virginia University as the director of campus ministry, among other things. So Colleen, I thank you so much for joining me here on Journeys in Faith. And I also want to mention also to our viewers that if you go to a site called patreon.com, you will see uh, a program there called Five Minutes of Faith. And when you go to that site, there will be a show with Colleen and I where Colleen is going to talk about three ways that you can grow in faith uh, through your prayer life. So be sure to do that. And also check out the, the wonderful program called Discover Your Mission, uh, which is through Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Radio. It's just $25 a month where you will get a personal mission sent to your phone or your laptop every single month with a beautiful Catholic mission 
uh, and, a, and a guest speaker. So please do, I encourage you to subscribe on patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry. So Colleen, again, I thank you so much for being my guest here on Journeys in Faith. And thank everyone, you. I will see you all next Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis.